0: Welcome to another episode of The Illustrious Gentleman, the place where comic book artists and top blokes Scott Gorleski and Ryan Cody talk about life, work, comics and booze. Follow the show on Twitter at TIG underscore show. Don't forget to let us know what you're drinking while you're listening to the show. Go on yourself, big man. I have my fan on. You know what? I'm not going to turn it off.
1: You're not going to turn it off? No, that's okay. This fucking new apartment has noises left and right. Like The water heater closet is kind of right next to my desk, so if that starts bubbling, you'll hear that. It's just, I got two kids at home right now. It's going to be a nightmare. Nightmare situation. Maybe I I will turn it off
0: just because I'm that kind of guy. Oh, so you'll be the good guy and I'll Suffer be the for asshole my art
1: sort of thing. Shit, I did not I did not get a glass for my beer. What? Uh, What are you talking about? Just drink it beer. out of the Well, it's supposed to have like shit floating, like yeast floating in it and stuff. I want to see all that. Oh, so.
0: I wouldn't. But, okay.
1: Yeah. All right. I'll pop my in here. So. All right,
0: Ooh. good. <sighs> There you go, everybody. There we go. That is that is very. Uh, you know what? Coppery is not the right word. It looks like uh, it's not as sort of translucent as a garbage beer. But it's it's pretty pale because it's pale ale, dummy.
1: Right. Okay. So, uh, did you already tell everybody what that I is? And I just didn't hear.
0: I'm i have going with the right. Hus Brewing Company Copper State IPA. It says it's bold, okay. juicy, delicious.
1: Yeah, can art's a little uh, boring. I've had that before. So,
0: yeah, Hus Brewing. I have not been impressed with in the past. Uh, I feel like I've had two or three of their things now. I, I I'm not expecting anything. <sighs> mm-hmm. Much like life or mm-hmm. this program. It smells like an IPA. Mm-hmm. There's something else in there though. Hmm. <sighs> I don't know. I don't know what that is.
1: Hopefully it's ricin.
0: Mm-hmm hmm oh that's interesting
1: hmm. well, this mm. is gonna take forever
0: you have to open it on the side of the desk
1: no i installed my bottle opener literally like a foot away like a foot away from my uh monitor my bottle cap opener so you know where my priorities are <laughs> at my workstation it's booze i got shit everywhere I haven't put anything away. I got boxes everywhere, but I did put the bottle opener. So what is this that we're
0: looking ball. at here?
1: All right, so here's the story. Okay. Uh, I had to go to the grocery – I had to go to uh, Bash's today to get some groceries. And so – sorry, I'm blocking. So uh, I – they have a very small selection at Bashes of like bar or whatever. I didn't want to spend $10.99 for a six-pack. So they have these like Bavarian beers, and I normally hate Bavarian slash German style beers, but I thought mm-hmm. I'd give it a give it a whirl today. So I have, uh, uh, Einger, or Ainger, I don't know how to pronounce it, <laughs> Uh authentic Bavarian dark, Feisen. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I looked it up because I don't know anything about beers. A German Dunkelweizen is similar to a... He- this is this is via uh, Beer Advocate. Yeah. Sim- similar to a Hefeweizen, these southern German wheat beers are brewed as darker versions okay. with deliciously complex malts and a low-balancing bitterness. Hmm. Creamy and full-bodied, most Dunkelweizen are medium amber to amber brown and actually appear slightly murky from the Weizen yeast. <laughs> phenolic, phenolic uh, which means clove... And fruity, banana slash bubblegum, character will usually be present in the nose. Bubblegum. And some some examples may even taste like banana bread. Now, I'm a little worried because German beers in the past, to me, taste like uh, the water that comes out of packaged sandwich meat. Like you know, you you know you like you buy you buy a package yes. of like you yeah, buy a package yeah. of of like Oscar Mayer ham yeah. and there's a little juice yep. in the bottom and if you accidentally get some of that juice on your bread it doesn't taste like ham it has a different <laughs> like a baloney it's like the smell of baloney personified into a taste. All
0: right, why don't you nose this thing? I want to see if you get bubble gum.
1: I do get a little bit of bubble gum. Interesting. I can already tell I'm not gonna like just by the smell. It smells like beers I don't like but it's 5.8% and it's a 4 out of 5 on beer advocate dark so people do like it beer. and people who like this style say this is one of the best examples of this style oh uh, but you can see it is dark um, so i did pull up did you pull up any beer advocate or no i did Oh, why don't you go first okay. while I decide what I'm doing here. So right. uh, this is your beer advocate for your Hus Brewing Copper State IP. Yes,
0: this comes from JWC215. 12-ounce <clears throat> can. Canned on 10, 15, 18. Oh, let's see. Mine is canned on 3, 20, 19. <clears throat> Pours a clear amber with a thick, creamy head. Lots of lacing dicks the smell is of tropical fruits mango pineapple passion fruit peach comes through robust fruit character a touch of caramel in the background the taste follows the nose tropical fruits with a touch of peach a caramel kiss of sweetness ties in the hops and adds smoothness citric bitterness lingers through the finish refreshingly dry bitter aftertaste Very smooth, juicy, medium body. A very drinkable, juicy IPA. Hop forward, tied together by just the right amount of caramelized sweetness. A great example of an American IPA.
1: Beautifully read. I think you missed your your calling. You should have been a voiceover artist. Or VO artist, as we call it. I
0: think I'm going to change my twitter profile description to very smooth juicy medium body
1: (laughs) that's right that's right you're gonna we we want to get down to uh uh what's the opposite what's the other what's next instead of full and medium light so we want to get to light body but currently you're probably medium body although you're looking pretty good uh i'm i'm heavy body full bodied full body as the ladies would say yeah ladies would say uh i was gonna say that uh uh, sweet caramel what is it caramel kiss a caramel
0: kiss of sweetness i i i th- yeah. think those words are out of order a kiss of caramel sweetness
1: i want to get that tattooed in like gothic <laughs> like vato lettering across my belly um that's right i called it a belly uh, okay, so before I read my beer advocate, I just wanted to read what's on the bottle here, I forgot, of the Einger uh, Ervice, brewed according Bunkle to Heisen. the Reinheits, brewed according to the Reinheitsgebot purity law of 1516 <laughs> product of Germany. Okay. You gotta say it, here we you gotta are. Say this it is... in
0: a mean voice.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll read this whole thing like I'm, like I'm a Fourth Reich, which I'm Ugh, that's a terrible thing to say. This is, uh, this is a uh, review by uh, Union Made, an old review. I didn't realize Beer Advocate had been around this long, but this is from 2003. Oh, wow. Uh, Union Made. Yow! Super <laughs> duper beer! I- <laughs> I'm going to give up on that. Ainger, <laughs> or Ainger, make some wonderful beers. Fla- <laughs> Fla- <laughs> flavor is spicy and clovey. With tons of wheat sweetness, moderate banana, and light (laughs) bubblegum flavor. (laughs) With a huge phenolic feel when you breathe through your nose.
0: Now we're doing Scottish, I think.
1: Light spiciness and a semi dry finish with just a tiny dash of hops. Body is fairly full with all the yeast floating around. Moderate carbonation and excellent beer. I could probably drink this for the rest of my life if I had to. Oh, wow. Like if someone came up. So if he was in prison and they're like, your punishment is for the rest of your life, you have to drink the Einger Dunkel or Erweiss. He would be like, if I have to, I can because I could probably do it. Um, I don't know. I don't see any yeast floating around. It just seems like a cloudy wheat beer. And to me, wheat beers are like, always terrible because they're so easily flavored like every terrible beer you've ever had is probably a wheat beer flavored by like cucumber or raspberry or yeah i, I think know, something, something like, like that
0: uh, gosh what is it um what moon what is that blue, blue moon. moon yeah like shock top or something or...
1: yeah those are hefeweizens but it's the same thing they're all wheat beers that are just flavored yeah, we'll see. Do it. I feel like Do this it. is going right. This is going This is going exactly the way I thought it was going to go when I bought this bottle. Okay, luckily I have a big glass of gin and uh, Arrowhead lemon seltzer water to uh, cleanse the palate. Oh. Or palate, if you will. Uh, Ten minutes into it, welcome to the illustrious gentleman. That's Scott. Oh, yeah. I'm... Yeah, I'm Ryan. Uh, it's a podcast where we talk about comics, movies, whatever else we want to talk and about. Booze. Beer. As we did for the last 10 minutes. Beer. Uh, and you can listen to every episode of the show at anchor.fm slash show. or even better than listening to the show is giving us money for the show. So go to patreon.com slash show and become a backer for the Patreon and uh, you can... Uh, Tell us what to drink, which no one really does. We Only once or twice has someone demanded we drink something. Um, but I'm open to that because I'm running out of ideas. I don't like I'm, being told what to do. I hate making decisions, so I kind of like being told what to do, um, especially in the bedroom. <laughs> so uh, hop on over to patreon.com slash tick show. Uh, there's two tiers. One is if you want to buy us around and get a shout-out on the show and all that good stuff like uh, Nick Sage does. And the other tier is kind of just like a dollar a month or more if you want. But minimum is a dollar a month, a quarter a show. Uh, come on. You can't beat that. So, uh, all right. Before we get into it, Scott, anything new? You're any, you doing anything fun lately? Anything new? No. I feel like this is a setup, but we didn't plan this. No. So the answer is probably no. no. Okay. No. No new shows you're into? You're not watching the Stanley Cup playoffs?
0: Uh, I'm not watching the Stanley Cup playoffs. I don't have TV anymore, so
1: whatever. Mm. Um,
0: I started watching Afterlife on Netflix, the new Ricky Gervais show, uh, because I'm a huge fan of Derek and uh, just him in general. I think he's one of the funnier guys around.
1: Did you ever watch his travel show where him and Stephen Merchant send that oh, dude an idiot to, like, abroad. Other, other countries? Yeah, yeah. yeah. i watched a couple. It's, yeah. Uh, okay, so what is that? Well, the thing with Ricky Gervais, a lot of people think he's a blowhard because he gives too much advice. So is that what Afterlife is all about? Is it, like, a, um, him, him preaching? It's...
0: I'm, like, three episodes in, maybe. It hasn't hooked me yet. Mm. I... I'm holding out. I have faith that it's gonna do something and turn into something interesting, but it's just about a dude that kind of mopes around after his wife dies of breast cancer. I think, and mm. uh, just being a bummer and you know, oh, uh, right not up give your a alley. Fuck about anything. Yeah, it's like a biopic.
1: Yeah, so there was a Scotty season got or... a biopic. <laughs> There's a season or two. This is great because I can't remember the name of it. Uh, on I think it was Hulu. It could have been Amazon. Could have been Netflix. I can't quite remember, but it, it was uh, oh, yeah. Maya Rudolph and uh, Fred Armisen, oh, and they that was
0: Amazon, I think.
1: Yeah, and that's like Afterlife based, and yeah, spoiler um, alert. Uh, I I forget what it's called.
0: It's uh, it's pretty funny for, though. Forever or yeah, forever. That's what it was called. Something like that. I don't yeah, know. I think I the, I, I think that that it's one of those like. I, I feel like it followed so closely on the heels of good place. Right. It's, it's sort of trying to copy the same sort of yeah, high but concept sort of, I don't know, like indie sort of kitsch. Like,
1: yeah, but yeah. I think that, I think the funny part about it is being stuck with your partner in the afterlife forever is not necessarily like, it's not necessarily oh, the sure. best thing that yeah, I to mean, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's, I, it's kind of funny they tackle that kind of in a fun yeah. way. I, I don't know. It's and I'm uh, a, maybe. Maybe I'll give it a I'm shot. A, Probably not though. I'm a fan. I'm a mark for Maya Rudolph, so I like. Uh, I thought it was pretty funny. Um,
0: yeah, I I don't know it. It strikes me as a show that's trying too hard.
1: Yeah, there's yeah, sure. It's reaching. It's. I mean, they're working. Like my son if says, you... they're they're tryhards.
0: Okay, tryhards. Which well. I. I bang on him about this I mean well then <laughs> he yells at kids on Fortnite he's being such a try hard well then try harder try harder than that kid
1: okay try hard that should be a whole new series without without Bruce Willis it should be like a, like a Zach Zach Alice or uh, who's the new who's the new popular fat comedian uh, Patton Oswald. No, he's not as new as the guy I'm thinking of. Josh Gad. It should be like Josh Gad trying to be an action star, and it'd be like Try Hard. Whatever. <laughs> whatever. Yeah, uh, let's, I don't...
0: Uh, whatever. What? Let's move on to something else. I'm bored.
1: Well, so today's topic is another thing where I wasn't sure what we should talk about, and again, if you go to patreon.com slash show, you can give us money and then suggest topics because we need ideas. We're not... Oh my God. For people who are idea men by nature, I think we're running out of ideas at 121 yeah, shows. Yeah, I mean,
0: like this is episode 121 or some shit. We only have four ideas. We've done them all 30 times now. That's
1: right. We, this can't become an MCU movie podcast, so we got to think of something else to it talk could.
0: about. It, well, it could. Well,
1: it could. I finally have Thorbod and I'm crazy about it. Uh, spoiler alert. Uh, okay, so I thought today we'd talk. Uh, we've, we I think in the past we've talked about our favorite characters. We've talked about dream creative teams. We've talked about dream books that we would want to do. I think we've talked about favorite artists. If I didn't say that two seconds ago, um, but I don't think like we've. I don't meanings think
0: meanings of dreams.
1: Yeah, I don't think we've dealt into the other aspects as much as we should, like inking, we uh, coloring. So today I thought. Let's talk a little bit about coloring in comics because that's on my mind lately because tomorrow morning I start my next, my next, my
0: six year old loves to color in my comics.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I should, I should uh, get him to flat my work. Uh, but tomorrow I start, uh, I start my next kind of, uh, gig that's on my schedule, which is the only gig that's on my schedule. So if you want to hire me, feel free. Uh, and it's coloring a book, but it's a, it's, To me, it's a big book. Like, I don't know the people that are working on the book. And I can't really say who's on it because it hasn't been solicited yet. It's been announced but not solicited, so I'm not going to mention it. But everybody else on the creative team are working on multiple projects, and uh, some of them are pretty well-known names. So to me, this is a big opportunity to be on this book. It's for the third largest publisher in North America.
0: I'm uh so super f- excited.
1: So for me, it's a big deal, so I'm super excited about it. I don't want to fuck it up. So I thought we would talk a little bit about coloring because I f- I, the more I think about it, the more I feel like if I'm going to continue working in this industry with all these, all these youngins... Y-U-N-G-U-N-S if all these youngins are coming up and they're all so much better than I am at actually drawing uh, I feel like my my future lies in sort of production work which I'm not saying coloring is production work but coloring or packaging books or editing or something like that uh, but I, I feel like uh, this book is going to be my step into maybe coloring more and I'm totally fine with that because I inking and coloring are my two favorite things to do Beside, like they're my two favorite things to do. Penciling is my third favorite part of the aspect. So hmm. if I could color, I'd be totally happy. And then, you know, and I think, um, I mean, uh, not to, not to get big britches or anything like that, but I think if you hire me to color your book, I'm also a dude who could pitch in on inks or if i see something if i see an obvious tangent i have an eye for that i can fix that i can adjust things if you know if something should have been filled in and it wasn't filled in or if a black should have been spotted or something like that i feel like i am a good guy to color your book because i could i can do i can do i can i could at least competently ink and pencil a book or i can competently pencil i think i'm a good anchor i think i'm a good colorist so i think my future lies in the second of the two thirds of the uh, the trio of making comic book art, if that makes sense. Try you can do all
0: of it, man. Well,
1: I don't. Uh, I wish I was more of a specialist and I was great at one thing, but I think I'm competent at a lot of things. Uh, but yeah, so I'm excited about coloring this book. So I thought, why not talk about coloring? We haven't touched on that. Neither of us are educated at all in it, so it's a perfect topic for us to discuss.
0: Now we're gonna touch it.
1: Yeah, it fit. <laughs> we're gonna lightly pet it. We're gonna yeah. see see where it leads us. You know, I don't know what's going to happen. Could be a lawsuit. Could be lifelong love yeah. affair. Who knows?
0: <laughs> Colors show us on the doll where they touched you.
1: That's right. Uh, so I did pull some uh, before we get into sort of modern coloring and what we think about it. I did pull some. Some. I, w- I don't want to use the word facts because I pulled them off the internet. But uh, if you want, I'll, I'll read through a little bit about show. the history. Yeah. <laughs> It's always a good joke. Uh you're you're a comedian. You don't need me. You're going to move past me by episode 430, trust me. Um so I have a little bit of history of comic book coloring for those of you who don't know. Oh, I can't buckle, wait. Buckle up. So, click via Stuart Grace G R A I S who is a professor at DePaul University in the College of Computing oh my God. in the College of Computing and Digital Media?
0: He had a oh he had God. a
1: thing on his site that basically said, "I'm going to read it word for word." So this is his words. <clears throat> for 40 years, color in the American comic industry used a simple, hand-separated four-color system: CMYK—cyan, cyan, magenta, yellow, black. The possible combinations of these tents gave colors a palette of 64 possible colors to use in the books. Although only about half were used because many of the darker colors, uh, when you print them on newsprint, they just look muddy and black. So basically for the, up until like the late eighties, early nineties, comic book colorists used about 32 total color variations. Um, I kind of knew that lead going into this, but this is for you. This is for you apes who don't fucking know things. All right. Via, via Wikipedia, uh, 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 you you can't touch it. It's it's the most pristine source scientific source in history via Wikipedia.
0: Jesus, for the love of God, please give us some money and suggest a topic.
1: Originally, comics were colored by cutting out films of various densities in the appropriate shapes to be used in producing color-separated printing plates. The typical colorists worked with photocopies of the inked pages, which they colored with Doc Martin dyes. And uh, using these CMYK codes, they wrote little codes next to everything for the final. Those are
0: so cool! I gotta say, yes, those color guides, color guides, yes, the coolest fucking things.
1: Right. So basically, the colors would go in and use markers on a Xerox, and then they would, you know, do a little delineated line telling the separator, the guy at the like the basically the technician, this is the color I want for this. So color guides, you can still find, uh, I think, uh, Trish, sells uh, Trish, Trish Mo- sells them. Yeah. Mohalville, I don't know how to pronounce her last name. I'm sorry. Uh, when we get to the, you mentioned, talking about colors, what she did for you on black or dark and bloody was great. Uh, so uh, yeah, color guides are great to look at. And so basically the colorist would color a, a photocopy of a page using 32 available colors and then they would use the code send it to some dude at a factory who then had to lay a plate with the with the right tint on it i think uh they were called engravers they made the colored pages um but for all intents and purposes so back then they were color they were the color the colorist or whatever i like the term color artist now because since the late 80s early 90s when computer color started a colorist has really become more of a Integral part of the process, I think. Um, Steve Olof it may have been the first computer colorist of note uh, when he tra- – when they did an English translation version of Akira for Marvel. Ak- Akira. Oh, wow. For Marvel in 1987, he did it on a he, – he convinced Marvel to let him do computer colors. So the, uh, I think that's officially the first mainstream computer colored book was in 1987 two more facts for you if you still have your pants on they're about to come off in in 1986 (laughs) and this is based off the 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 uh wacom website so i could be wrong but whatever yeah it looks like in 1986 wacom introduced the uh first uh pen tablet that you could draw on using a something that looked like a pen (laughs) or a pencil and in 2000 it looked like they introduced the first uh Pin ta- display tablet or monitor. I don't know what you call these things monitor tablet or
0: it's a display. Display.
1: Yeah. So it looked like these have been around for about 18 years. Um, they've only become affordable maybe in the last since all these like since all these like alternative companies have popped up. I feel like they've right. just become affordable in the last like maybe four or five years. Like if I had to buy a Cintiq to color comics, I would not be working on a Cintiq right now. I was able to buy the Huion. Huion for huey on lewis and the news for <laughs> a fraction of a the price of a centique um
0: that was the joke of like the life of the show <laughs> Dude, like that was very the much that moved up to number one
1: so there in ends my facts of coloring comics not much but i hope you're all up to date and i hope you're all excited uh <laughs> But yeah, I mean, I think prior oh, to I this, like, I don't know if you, <laughs> I don't know if you remember when, when Image Comics first came out, they started crediting the color separator and the colorist. So it's kind of like nowadays we're let- Oh, now- no, I
0: don't remember that, but I bet if I went and pulled out some of my early Image
1: books, right. would be in there. So nowadays it's like letterers are finally getting the credit they deserve. Back in the early '90s, the color separator, so the colorist would just basically take an eight by ten Xerox doodle on it and then send it off to some poor schlub somewhere who then had to do all the hard manual you know the time sensitive work uh so they 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 were they were uh listing color separate separators in the early 90s in image books uh but yeah nowadays you have some colorists uh who oh, i'm gonna i'm gonna forget who i'm thinking of oh, jesus christ the name is escaping me and wikipedia does not will not list a colorist neither will amazon let's maybe marvel.com will let's find out
0: this is our best show ever
1: i like oh dean white i I knew dean white not jordan white jordan white is an editor who i'm sure is fantastic and i hope he uh hope he hires me on a book at some point dean white uh i was going to talk about colorists who make substantial sort of you could tell their their uh, impact on the book. Uh, Dean White does great stuff. He does a lot. I don't know what the traditional term would be, but he throws a lot of highlights in there that are just like as thin as thin or as thick as a pencil line. Like a lot of cool highlights. He colored some JR. Junior stuff. He colored uh, Uncanny X Force. I think he colored. No. A, I think he colored a lot of the recent Thor stuff.
0: Yeah, I I gotta say I I will admit that I don't know jack shit about coloring. Um, I feel like, I don't know. Are colorists asked to be like chameleons? Do editors request that they do this or that? I mean, yeah. I I could probably count the number of colorists on one hand where if I saw their stuff, I could say, that's so and so. That's Rico. That's uh,
1: um, Lynn Varley. That's Dave Stewart. Eh,
0: Even him. Yeah. I don't know that I could pick out.
1: Right. Yeah, I think I could pick out Dean White again. I think he he uh you know he does a lot of stuff. Rico too, so so unique. Uh sounds like work. maybe
0: Liz Brettweiser.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean I think we're finally approaching a, a point in comics where technology is there and skill level is there to where it used to be I mean, it used to be the penciler was the guy. And then even if you just did breakdowns, the, whoever finished the page, no one gave a shit about that. It was like a John Byrne page or it was a, uh, you know, Dave Cochran page or whatever. And then we got to the point where it was like a penciler, inker team. You know, you got the Silvestri, Dan Green on X-Men. You got these inkers who were making an impact that you could tell who inked the page. I was listening to a podcast a couple of weeks ago and they were kind of not giving him shit, but they were talking about art T bear as an artist. But mm-hmm. it, I could tell back in the nineties when art T bear was the inker, I could tell he was a very good inker. I could tell his work when he inked a page or, um, like Kevin Nolan, when he inks a page, like, sure. Like, yeah. the, the, like if you're, the, if, if you're the, if you're the,
0: he's a guy I could probably,
1: well, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I get what you're saying. God, um, um, guys who contribute equally or more. Like if I ever got hired to, to draw a book and they were like, Oh, we just want you to pencil it. Cause Kevin Nolan's going to ink it. I would just do layouts and then I would just walk away and like do the, like dust my hands off and walk away because I know the page is going to look amazing. Um, so I think they got, I think comics got to a point maybe like 15, 20 years ago where inkers were so capable that you didn't have to worry about what the, product was going to look like you knew it was going to be good and i think i think in the last like five ten years we've gotten to the point where a colors can completely change the dynamic of a book like i don't know man if i was reading a monthly book and all of a sudden something was off on issue like 13 and i couldn't tell what it was it's probably that they changed the colors up, and that's what's like i would have to go back and check the credits because the books that i routinely read have i all three of those elements pencils inks and colors are are something I, I'm yeah. aware of, you know, or maybe I wasn't aware in the '80s. Like, who was it that it colored all those X-Men books that probably didn't get the credit they deserve? Like, is uh, it Glennis Oliver? Oh, jeez. I think it was Glennis Oliver. You we were asking the wrong guy. <laughs> was the he was the colorist for so much of Claremont's X-Men run? I could be misremembering, um, but yeah, I, I'm glad that we're in an era now where i mean comics should have always been i mean they're all color comics have should have always been equal between the three creative people or two if you have a pencil or ink or whatever but uh yeah i think we're we're there the last maybe five ten years to where colorists contribute as much or i think sometimes more a good colorist can save a shitty looking page or vice versa uh I just posted this uh, image today on Instagram. Um, I had this I have this Ron Garney uh, Bob Wyacek, uh, Captain America page that I bought a couple years ago and just at of just at a sheer luck uh, a comic box that I just moved into my house had this Captain America issue right in the front and I'm like oh shit I wow. think I think that's the issue that the original page is from. So I pulled them out put them side by side took some pictures and pushed on Instagram. The colors do not do this page justice at all, but I feel like I don't want to bash the colorist. I think it's a limitation of what the colorist was working with back in 1998. You know, I don't think he was on a... He's coloring with a mouse. Back then, everything was airbrush and highlights. Uh, but yeah, uh, a modern colorist should do nothing but make the page better. I mean, there's no excuse anymore, really. I mean, I have a $400 machine that I... Ink, pencil, ink, and color on. So there's no excuse for bad comic book coloring. Seeing print nowadays, except for budgetary reasons. But even that's no excuse. If you can't afford a colorist, make your book in black and white. That's what Uncle. That's Uncle Ryan's advice for the week. <laughs> uh, Word
0: to your mother.
1: So you're not even paying attention. You're you're looking at color guides on eBay.
0: I am. I'm trying to reset my password for. <laughs> ebay because i couldn't remember what it was so i wanted to i wanted to add this this kindred page to my watch list (laughs) so now i did that
1: who's the who's the colorist attributed to that uh
0: it just says brett booth that's all it says in the description Mm. and in the title um is it joe chiodo also wendy fonte who wendy fonte
1: now that's probably the colorist it must be I think she was one of wildstorms like it was Laura Martin was a wildstorm person I think and uh obviously Joe Chioto was a wild storm person uh, yeah
0: oh if you get on eBay right now there's a ton of Star Trek Deep Space 9 color guides mm. those are gonna go quick so get yeah. on it
1: I'll pass on those I'm not I mean, I would rather, I mean, those are neat to have, I think, but I would rather just buy, like, a nice colored print from from somebody that was colored by a...
0: What is this? X-Force number 39, cover rare production art, Tony Daniel, cable Deadpool. I don't know what this, I don't know what I'm looking at. It looks, it's just a copy of something.
1: It's anyway! Yeah, that's great. Oh!
0: Something I want to talk about with colorists, with the rise of digital art, a lot of people are just doing all of this shit now, like Mitch and. Uh, mm-hmm. um, so, what do you think about that? Do, well, you, do you think that's like the
1: way shit is going? I do. Uh, yeah, Mitch is a good example. Uh, what Jason Latour does with Southern Bastards is a good example. It, it depends. I mean, you got to be good at everything, right? You can't just have jokes, Sure, jokes well. yeah. I mean, but yeah, I think obviously. I think a competent artist who can... I mean, at that point, they're like an illustrator, but I think at that point, if they can do everything, then it makes everything better because as they're penciling the page, maybe they're thinking like, I'm not going to put the background in here because I'm going to paint the background in here. Or, you know, when they're inking the page, they're like, I'm going to leave three quarters of this drawing open without any ink lines because I'm going to put it in in colors. So... Like I, I, I think I, I mean, I, we've talked about, or I've mentioned this before. I think Southern Bastards is the prettiest book on the of the last, however long and whenever it comes out, I, I'm in love with it. And I think it's because Jason Latour does everything. Like he, he has an image of what the final page is going to look like. So a lot of it is color-holded with no ink lines. A lot of it is sort of abstract backgrounds. Um, we were talking last week, or whenever, whenever we were at Samurai for Acme, we were looking through that Outcast book, and we we're talking about how. Uh, Paul, as a setter in Outcast, does a lot of these abstract backgrounds. And uh, yeah. Liz Breitweiser handles them beautifully. It's the same mentality as if you know you're going to ink and color the book, you can leave that to the color stage. You don't have to indicate it in the pencil stage. You can drop that sort of abstract background in in the color stage. Um, yeah. And a lot, of the, a lot of these young people coming up, these youngins, they're coming up doing all that. Like, they're coming up pencil, inking, and coloring, and they're not even thinking of it as penciling, inking, and coloring. They're thinking of it as illustration. So, yeah, I think comics in the next, like, 10 years is going to be that. It's going to be a lot less solid blacks. You're not going to see a lot of inks. It's going to be not quite painted and not quite pencils, inks, and colors. It's going to be a mix of that, you know. Like, any lines that were inked are going to be inked in color. It's going to be color holds and... It's gonna look like an it's gonna look like sure. an anime. It's gonna look like an anime or something okay. like that. You know? Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean,
0: yeah. I I guess something I think about is like Fiona Staples, right? On yeah, on Saga, which she, I I think she does like. I I think her figures are all inked, but then she does like digital painted backgrounds. Yeah. Um, which is interesting.
1: Yeah, I know with um, I know with Southern Bastards, I don't think Latour does a typical comic book page. I think he just makes a panel, places it in there, makes a panel. I don't think, I don't think there's original art to Southern Bastards like you would consider original art you could buy. Everything's kind of piecemeal, a mix between digital and traditional. Uh, I think, hmm. I think that's the way of the future. Except get rid of the traditional. Like in ten years, I'd be surprised if anybody other than Sean Murphy draws on pen and ink and, and on a page. You know. Um, yeah, I would agree with that. Especially once they learn to monetize <laughs> properly, monetize like we talked a long time ago in one of the early episodes of the show about monetizing digital art originals kind of as doing print like a one of one print high quality selling that once that market kind of takes off and you can sell digital work and get original art similar prices as you would to original art i think the only i think the only reason people work on original they can say they love the everyone who still does original art on paper says oh i love the tactile it i love our tactile uh feel of it i love the way it looks all that's great but once they really do it because they want to sell those pages like i don't know if there's anyone out there still working traditionally who never intends to sell those pages and just saves them because i don't know
0: yeah i don't i don't know what the point would be anymore
1: Right, unless you think you're going to save them for 30 years and then put them on the market for your kid's benefit or something like that. Oh, yeah,
0: once I'm dead.
1: Right, but if you are drawing on paper and you honestly think, I'm never going to sell these, why would you still be drawing on paper? Why would you limit yourself to that method? Um, Yeah, so that's another discussion is traditional versus digital, which I think we've done. But as we progress in comics and as the future of comics continue – the colors, I think, is only going to become more and more important, and, and then I I could see easily the colors being the most important aspect of the creative team, uh, especially.
0: Oh, let's not get ahead of ourselves.
1: Well, yeah. uh, you know, I'm, I'm just saying they can do so much with, especially now with like the Cintiqs and the and the pen uh, the pen tablets and the, uh, the brushes you can get in Photoshop and CS Paint and the shit you can do with these with these at or these uh apps or these programs it's the you're not limited by anything you're not you don't have to run to the store store and buy like a masking film or run to the store and buy an exacto knife to do like a rain effect or whatever all of it's right there at your computer it's faster it's more efficient it's better i mean sure uh old comics look great because you have the lettering paced it up oh, old original pages look great original art looks fantastic i love it i mean i i'm staring at mine right now i love buying original art but it doesn't make sense unless you're sean murphy or unless you're jim lee or unless you're mark silvestri if you're not making tons of money selling your original art you're just i mean you're 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 working uh harder not smarter Take that Ooh. take that one to the bank. Um. Okay, so back to colorists, which is the point of the show, I guess. Uh, I think we finally reached the thing where there's there's uh, colorists are more than an equal part of the team, or at least an equal part of the team, and I think it's they're finally getting their due, and I'm excited about it. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. For sure. Long overdue. Like, growing up, I'd go into a store, and I'd be like, oh, Jim Lee drew that, or Mark silvestri drew that, and then I became like, Oh, that's a John Romita Jr. book who I like, but if Dan Green's inking him, then I really like that book. Mm-hmm. And now I finally realize, like, oh, uh, so and so's coloring that book. So, you know, now there's three criterias because I'd never pick up a book just for the writer. So there's three gotcha. th- three cri- criteria now where I'll flip through a book to see if I want to buy it, and it's and now it's who penciled it, who inked it, who colored it, and even though inkers are now becoming. I mean, we're, we're, before we get to the one artist who does everything, we're going to get to the pencil or ink or colorist. So inkers are the people that are getting asked out with all the good colors nowadays. Uh, inkers are, I think, going to go the way of the dinosaurs, sadly. Um, but, yeah, I think we finally reached that point to where I will pick up a comic off the rack if it has Dave Stewart's name on it or if it has Liz Breitweiser's name on it or you know, uh, Dean white or, you know, any, any of these colorists whose work, I just, I recognize the name and then I'm just like, boom, I dig it. Like I was at the gym today looking at uh humble brag. I was at the gym and I was looking for like documentaries on the history of comic book coloring on YouTube, which of, there are none. Uh, I don't, there are color. A lot of colorists now have like yeah. uh, have like YouTube channels or Twitch Twitch, uh, channels or whatever. So I have in the past watched like Nick Filardi's Twitch channel, and it's cool just to watch a colorist work and kind of see their ideas behind it. And like today at the gym, I watched a thing from uh, uh, K Michael Russell, who does colors a lot of books and has a pretty really well done YouTube channel. And so I was looking at that while I was on the gym uh, while I was at the gym today, and uh, it was great. Like even though I feel like I mean I feel like I'm a competent colorist. It doesn't hurt for me to watch these sort of YouTube, you know, tutorial channels or whatever, you know, and, and it kind of like, I learned, I learned some stuff. I reinforced some stuff that I knew that I had forgotten by watching that YouTube channel. And it's pretty cool. Like, I don't know, they add so much. I mean, if you just pull up, uh, pencils, like inked comics to colored comics, uh, we're really in the age, I think of the colorist, like, as much as we've ever been, if that makes sense.
0: No, I, I, yes, I agree. Now, do, do you think that? The, I, I would assume, like the mass, or yeah, like the vast majority of colorists use flatters. Do you yeah. think flatters are ever get a uh, a credit, like color separators used? To? Uh, some
1: books, especially. Uh, I think flatters. Well, I think I asked for my flatter to get a credit in Adventure Van. I don't think they ever did it. But I think it will. I think it will, and I think a lot of. I mean, depending on your rate, like it's hard. Like, depending on my rate, I either get a flatter or I don't get a flatter. And depending on my rate, I get a better flatter than I would get a lower cost flatter. You know, there's they all take different rates. There's not a flat rate to pay a flatter. So, Um, but I think like ironically, (laughs) I think, think, uh, yeah, I think there's a lot of flatters now that are being essentially called color assistance where they will flat the page. So normally if you just pay a rando flatter somewhere to flat your page, they're just going to throw random colors on the page. Like they don't, right. Cause it's there, it's a production process for, for a lot of them. They don't, you know, it's just, that's their gig. They got a flat X amount of pages to make their nut. Um, but I think there is a growing trend of color assistance where you give them, a palette and they will flat according to your palette because normally if I get a flatter and they flat a page for me, when I get the page back, then I have to make the suit the right color or make the building the right color or whatever. Um, and so I think if you pay your flatter more and you have a competent flatter or even a really good flatter, they will give you the right colors you need from the jump. So basically you could just start rendering almost immediately. I think those should be considered color assistants, and they should get credit. Uh But, again, Marvel DC is not paying them, so Marvel and DC is not going to credit them. The the colorist is paying them out of pocket. It's a subcontracting position for the most part. Uh, But, yeah, I forget who. I was watching one YouTube video or listening to an interview or something where a colorist, I think it was Jordi Belair, maybe mentioned that her... Her color assistant does so much for her to where she really just goes in and has to tweak stuff and then really render and stuff like that. Like, she was talking about how good a color assistant really can be to the process. And it. That's nice. It depends how many books you color. Like, I'm, I'm, right now, I'm slated to color one book a month. Like, if I can't flat my own pages at that point, then I'm just being lazy. So. I probably won't use a colorist, but if I was one of these colorists who colored four or five books a month and I had to color twenty pages in a week, you gotta have a flatter. I mean, that's maybe I'm slow and maybe nice. I'm slow and maybe I'm not capable and maybe I don't know what I'm doing. But it often takes me longer to flat a page than it would to actually do all the rendering and highlighting and, and make a finished page. So to me, flatting is the the most time-consuming part of coloring. And I so if I have it in my budget, I'm gonna get it flatted unless I'm being stingy. And greedy and i don't want to pay somebody else which is right 99 right, right. of the time because it's just labor i could do it myself um but yeah I, I i really do feel that we are uh we're on the cusp of something to where here on out colorists are going to be one of the biggest an equal partner with the writer the penciler and the inker i mean it's sorry letterers i think i said this like two weeks ago like their time has coming. their time's coming but it's
0: that's why we get the big bucks
1: for podcasting or for drawing comics no for <laughs> penciling and inking. <laughs> i mean i guess penciling should get paid more because you are doing the layouts and the pencils and all that but i still feel like maybe inkers put in as much time i mean sweat equity inkers take probably as much time to ink a page as it takes the pencil or pencil pencil a page uh i could be wrong i don't know we haven't done a show on inkers yet and like I said there's very few inkers still out there that are just strictly inkers but yeah if you're looking at sweat equity into a book I think we're finally getting to our fair share of kind of uh, kind of recognition I suppose and anyone feel free to call me a dick that's fine I mean my kids do it all the time you could have waited a little bit for that but that's fine you didn't it's whatever um,
0: I, I didn't even hear what I didn't even hear. What
1: you Yeah. Say. Uh, all right. Any final thoughts? Oh, well, here's a thought. Cause I got, I'm thinking right now I'm looking, <laughs> it's a thought. So I'm looking at all my original art that I have. And I, I, I normally don't buy prints. I normally buy original art. So I have maybe like five prints and then I have maybe like 16 framed pieces of black and white art. So when I collect things that I want to display, it's mostly black and white art. But I will also not really buy black and white comics. I shouldn't say that because I'm currently producing a black and white comic. But I I don't buy black and white comics. I want my comics to be colored like I grew up with. I want a colored comic. Those are what I dig. I grew up on superhero comics or whatever. Um, How do you fall on that spectrum? If the the art is good enough and you were going to buy a comic, which you don't buy comics, but if you were going to buy a comic, would it Mm -hmm. matter to you if it was black and white or color? If I was gonna buy an actual printed book, right? Uh, no, it wouldn't. Yeah, no. See, to me, color tips the scales. I don't buy black and white comics uh, for the most part. I I want a colored comic. I want a fully uh, what I consider a comic, like a, what I grew up with.
0: Hmm. A
1: Mark Silvestri, Dan Green, Glynnis, whatever I said earlier. <laughs> Sorry, I've had a couple drinks since then. <laughs> Glynis, Oli- Sorry, Glynis Oliver, which is probably not right. Um, Scott, why don't you talk about your uh, any final thoughts on colors and talk about your drink while I Google to see how wrong I am on that name. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, no. I Look, uh, colorists are awesome. I, I, I don't get what they do. They, my brain just doesn't work that way. I would love to do it like every time I sit down to do like a, and it hasn't happened in like four or five years where I sit down to like make a new print for a show and I have to color it myself. I get all excited about it at first. I'm like oh I'm going to color this. It's going to be awesome and then I get to doing it and I remember why I don't do it. So all you guys my, my a tip of my cap to you guys because you guys are like magicians. I, I don't understand it I, I, I don't get how it all works. Um, but, you know, I look pretty good, but, you know, all y'all make me look better. So, For sure. I, 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 I appreciate it. I, 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 uh, I totally agree with, you know, them standing on the stage with everybody else, you know? Uh, uh,
1: yeah, I remember... Where was I? This is a fun little story. I was in a car somewhere because I remember texting from the back seat of a car. So I might have been at a convention, taking an Uber somewhere or something. When you told me that uh, uh, Trish was gonna color you on Dark and Bloody, and I remember being like super pumped about that. Like that that book looks gorgeous. Uh, So awesome. Yes, she was great. Yeah, yeah, great colorist. Love Trish. Yes. Uh, So I'm right, uh, by the way. No big deal. I always am, (laughs) Glennis Oliver. By the way, is a woman which I did not know, which is, there, that's great. Uh, she was married to Glen Glenn Wine, Glen Wine, Glen Lynn Wine, Lynn Wine, was her husband for a while. Now she's divorced. Good for her. Uh, but yeah, she colored so much shit in the seventies and eighties. It's not even funny. Her bibliography is fucking insane. So, uh, shout out to her and shout out to me for getting the name correct on books that i obsessed over as a kid you would think i would know the entire i mean bob harris edited i know i know that shit i know what's going on um so shout out to glennis who's now uh uh, almost 70 so uh keep on oh wow keep on keeping on miss oliver uh okay yeah colorists are the best i love them i'm a big fan I, I, all, the, all, everything I just said sounds like I'm a condescending asshole. I'm being truthful, but it doesn't come across because that's just who I am. I have resting bitch voice, so <laughs> no one can tell <laughs> when I'm serious or not, unless I'm drunk. It
0: goes along with your
1: bitch. Yeah, voice. unless I'm drunk, and then if I'm drunk and around you at a con, then I'm annoying, but I'm still showing love. It's just how I tend to show it. Uh, all right, uh, what would you rate your uh, hus? Copper State IPA with the terrible graphic design on the can. It's not terrible. Uh, it's not terrible. It's lazy. It, yeah,
0: yes. it's, not, it's not bad. It's it's just, I mean, it's got, what, Monument Valley there sort of so It's got,
1: like, four yeah. fonts going on. That's the problem. It's, it, it's too many fonts.
0: Yeah, it's not, it's not terrible. The, it, the the beer is better than the can.
1: Okay, ooh. Uh, yeah.
0: This was not bad. A little surprised, um, huh?
1: Pleasantly surprised.
0: Um, yeah, it's... Uh, it's, it is that weird sort of thing. Like, uh, wh- who the fuck, JWC two one five or whatever. It's like it was fruity, but it's like sweet. You get that, that, that caramelly mm-hmm. kiss of sweetness.
1: Yeah, and uh, nice.
0: Yeah, it uh, it was it was a pleasant surprise from an otherwise trash brewer.
1: Oh, that's a little harsh. I think they're very highly rated, by the way
0: garbage brewer
1: i think i think Huss is so i prepared. i feel
0: like this was probably a mistake like a happy accident on their part oh
1: yeah you got the one can that wasn't a complete fuck up
0: no i i hope it's like just this this recipe that they just accidentally came across and it turned out well right but i dig it eh, i'll go four. it was nice oh, i would do it four. again
1: all right, so you're gonna give that a four. So if you go to my, if you go to my slash our uh, untapped page, about sometime last year, I went to the Hus Brewery with my wife, and I sampled a couple of their IPAs, and I rated them. I don't remember what I rated them. I remember not being blown away. And people love people in Phoenix love that brewery. It's a it's I don't care. It's it. whatever. I like that logo. I like that HB circle logo they got. That's that's a little sexy, but whatever. So now it's my turn. Again, it's me time up here. You had your time down there. Einger or Einger or Weiss. I only know how to say vice because that's Rachel vice's last name. Um, Dunkel Hefeweizen or whatever the fuck it's called. Dunkel, 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 Vi- it. Dunkel it, It's whatever. It tastes like every other German beer I've ever had, but it's not quite as offensive. I don't feel like I, I don't yeah. feel like I'm drinking baloney, but it's close. It's like it's bologna adjacent. Like it feels like I'm drinking a beer and someone's eating a bologna sandwich like right next to my face. I never get the bubblegum smell that people mention. I don't get the banana bread either. I'm a fan of banana bread. I'm a fan.
0: Banana bread would be okay sort of in a beer. Mm-hmm. The bubblegum would be distracting and off-putting.
1: Yeah, so this might be one of the better versions of this style of beer that I've had. I still wouldn't buy a six-pack of it, and I wouldn't seek it out. So I guess that makes it a, what, two and a half, three? Let's be generous to the the German people and say a three for the Einger Erweiss. Although all these German beers reinforce the fact I never need to go to Germany. I never need to visit Germany. It's one of those countries I could give a shit about ever going to visit wow uh, i do want to go to austria my dad was born in austria i assume it's the same kind of fucking beer i'm gonna to have to deal with it at that point but
0: your dad was born in austria yeah
1: but on a military base it's the same as it's oh so he was not yeah, really yeah he's not austrian which caused me all sorts of confusion when i was a kid i'm like oh i'm half austrian and my dad's like no we just happened to be there yeah
0: you and arnold yeah
1: like oh well there's so many similarities between me and the muscleinator governator
0: muscleinator whatever. Man, we need to wrap this up. That
1: dude, if he lives to be ninety, that's that is a pro ad for steroids. If he can live to be ninety, <laughs> then we should all start taking. We should all start cycling now. Um, but yeah, we do need to wrap. We yeah. do need to...
0: My testicles <laughs> packed up and left thirty five years ago, but I'm ninety. That's
1: right. Yeah, I've been enjoying a soft yogurt and a nice salad every day for the last thirty years, with no testes. <laughs> but I did make it to 90. Uh, Uh, Yeah, we do need to wrap it up. You're getting out of control, buddy. Uh, Okay, so um, follow if you want. You don't have to, but you could follow us on Twitter, the show, us, at TIG underscore show. You can follow Scott on Twitter and Instagram at Scottygod. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryan Cody on Instagram at Ryan Cody 75 uh, Just follow the show at TIG underscore show. There's so much, yeah, just so much magic happening there. All the past episodes, past episodes, are available on anchor.fm. Pestisodes. Slash TIG show. Past episodes. Uh If you enjoy the show, go to patreon.com slash TIG show. Kick us a couple bucks.
0: Buy, yeah, for the love of God, give us an idea. Buy
1: us around. Tell us what to do, because honestly, I devote m- too much time thinking about what we're going to talk about. It's <laughs> it's becoming a problem.
0: Yeah, the scales are tipped way, <laughs> way. <laughs> like, I sent you a text. This is I don't know what we're talking about until we start recording. This is
1: how our show goes. I sent you a text yesterday saying, would you like to record uh, this day or this day, and do you have any top? I said, sure. Do you have any, I didn't even answer the question. And do you have any topics in mind? Anything you want to talk about? And your response was sure. (laughs) (laughs) That's very unhelpful. Except that, (laughs) except that we, we, we put another one in the bag. That should be our, that should be the logo for the show. We're just, that's every relationship I've ever had. Unhelpful. (laughs) We're just banking shit and putting things in bags. All right. So yeah, patreoncom show. anchorfm TIG show. Uh, tell scott how much you love him scott just fin- can you uh do you know when the book you just finished is going to come out do you, do you know that
0: uh soon i i would imagine right. that was uh i don't know it went to print on friday okay i know that much
1: so i guess like, we, i we guess we could say it. you, you have a, a, a fair amount of pages in a catwoman annual is that what it is
0: yeah i guess it's the annual number 1
1: I, have they not been doing annuals since they? I don't know these things. Yeah. Speaking of Catwoman, and your version of Catwoman, uh, today, as we're recording this, is the anniversary of Darwin Cook's passing. So, uh, oh wow! Uh, it's not when this airs on Wednesday; it'll be two days past that. But uh, go oh, go ahead and have... I would
0: have had a drink in that honor.
1: Yeah. Well, you still can. I guess. I guess a lot of his friends at midnight tonight are going to have cocktails and post it on Twitter. With a certain, oh, certain hashtag. So, I'm down. So uh, if you're still up at midnight, which I probably won't be, but I'll be up midnight East Coast time. So maybe I'll...
0: I'll have one for you, though.
1: Yeah. Uh, so shout out to Darwin Cook. Uh, designed the best Catwoman costume. Another great penciler, Inco, In- penciler inker duo guy. Combo. Yeah, combo guy. I feel
0: like that was like a... Travesty to his memory. <laughs> at Inko, it was like some sort of art slur. Yeah, that's the kind of slur it was.
1: Okay, man, I'll talk to you uh, next week when we will be talking about something. That's for damn sure. Yeah. That is for damn sure.
0: You decide.
1: Yeah, I think he's talking to me. With a little
0: (laughs) cheddar cheddar cheese. That's that's right. You get to pick. That's
1: right. That should be like a punishment face. Like for $15 donation, we will literally talk about whatever you want us to talk about. (laughs) Oh, that's a good tier. I like that. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, maybe I'll put that in there. All right, man. Uh, I'll talk to you next.
0: Gun control is not the answer. <laughs> <sighs> All right, here we go. Using,
1: using teenagers as bulletproof vests, so we can keep our Jesus second Christ
0: abstinence rates. only. Really?
1: Yeah. Yeah. We gotta. We gotta defend apartheid. Shit. <laughs> hey, we will do any. Oh, we have proven shit. we will do anything for money. That's why we're com- That's why we're freelance comic book creators. Uh, all right, man. Uh, so I'll talk to you next week and uh, go ahead and just say goodbye, I suppose, Scott. Yeah,
0: goodbye, I suppose, Scott. All right, bye, bye.